Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Open Forum Wednesday. How's everybody doing? The NBA season is in the books. The hockey season is in the books. We turn our attention towards next week's NBA draft and free agency. And this being an Open Forum Wednesday, we can go in any direction you want. Hope you had a chance to listen to yesterday's podcast titled 24 Hours, talking about my uh, friendships and the thing that uh, I remember the most about doing the games for 32 years and being involved in professional sports are the people you meet along the way. And I'm so happy for Michael Malone winning the NBA championship. And then 24 hours later, uh, one of my best friends, George McPhee, hoisting the Stanley Cup uh, last night in Las Vegas. Amazing what George has done putting that team together. Uh, he's got an amazing eye for talent. Uh, it was so good with the Washington Capitals. And in six years, they win a Stanley Cup in Las Vegas. So we got a lot to talk about. Good to have you on board. I need a leadoff person. Hit me up and uh, we will get this show rolling on this open forum Wednesday. Why don't we, uh, first of all, say hello to, let me see here. I'm having a little problem with the app, but don't worry. There we go. All right. We say hello to Thomas. Thomas, good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about you, Grant? I'm very well. Thank you. I enjoyed your show today uh, with Jerry and, and Rhino. And thank you talking about Father's Day, um, you know, and how our fathers were impact with sports and stuff. So I and it just kind of brought up something I'd like to talk about, about how uh, some quick little stories about what I what I did and how it's related to fathers and how so much the impact of sports keeps us together as father and son and the things that we do. You know, I think it's yep. that's one of the biggest things. So. So uh, a background about my dad, he was uh, in the 10th Mountain Division. Um, and so he grew up in Tahoe and he was a skier. So they got him. And so he went to Europe and uh, he jumped out of planes and skied down in spite on the Germans. He was a radio man. So sport wow. kept him there. He's just telling me stories about jumping on an airplane at the full moon and he's skiing powder going down and he says, hey, this is great. I'm, I'm getting paid. I'm spying on the Germans, plus I'm skiing powder. He would tell me those stories. I just go amazing. Wow. So the other one was, was um, when he came back home, he started a ski school and a ski shop up in Tahoe. In the summers, he needed stuff to do. So he really liked tennis. So he started a, a little tennis school uh, up in uh, Truckee. And I remember one day, and again, this is a relation to sports. Uh, <clears throat> he's teaching this little blonde girl out there, and I'm on the out there where they have the, the benches and everything. It was a little clubhouse. And anyway, this guy comes up next to me, and he looks familiar, and it's his wife, right? He's getting lessons from my dad. And he's just sitting there telling him, he's going, you know, I really like your dad. His name was Bud. He was just telling me he, he just he was a good teacher, but... He was telling me about the war and everything. And so I looked at him and I go, you look really familiar. And because my dad didn't tell me. So anyway, it was Clint Eastwood. Oh, my God. I, I talked to him for an hour the whole time. Wow. And he really liked my stories about my dad and everything. So so that was related to sports. And then the, the last couple stories here is, so my dad also, too, in the summers when he retired, he played tennis all the time, but then he says, you know, I don't want to stay home because he didn't want to stay home with my mom. So 
he got a security job, right, for Brinks. And so he would get, you know, all over Reno. He was down in Reno and he would do a lot of the sporting events, right? So, but a lot of times what he would do, he'd call me up and say, hey, uh, UNR's playing, let's go. And I go, dad, I don't have any tickets. I don't want to go. He goes, no, I'm going to well, wear my uniform and we're going to go right down and, and stand right next to the coach. Wow. <laughs> and we did that forever. How about that? And How about the, that? The last one was, uh, was, the, was the fights uh, when they were doing the Olympics, right, with Spinks and all those guys. Um, he loved the fights. Just he, he watched all of them. And uh, so he says, hey, let's go watch the fights. Um, he got his uniform on, got down there, and then I came in walking with him. He says, oh, this is, this is with me. We go right down and sat right on the ring. Um, unbelievable. That and, is awesome. Uh, and the last story was the, uh, it was um, when uh, he'd play tennis. I could never beat him because he was so good. I mean, he was just amazing. I never played that much. But anyway, I found a way to beat him. So I'd go over to his house and it would be maybe in the evening or so. So let's go and hit some balls. And I said, okay. And I said, you want me to fix you a drink? So I would pour him a drink. He liked bourbon and seven. I'd do a double. <laughs> and that's how I finally beat him. He never realized that. So, so anyway. I love it. But it's just, great. It's just the point of memories about. Yeah. Our, our, our dads, like you've always said in your stories and stuff, it's so sure. related to sports. Um, no it's question. It's unimaginable. So that's, that's awesome. kind of my story. And I'm um, looking forward to the, uh, the U.S. Open this week. Yeah. And uh, who do you think? That's right. Gonna, Starts tomorrow. Who do you think's going to looking good in the Gosh. top three? I can't go against Scheffler and Rom. I mean, they're just dominating the, the, the game so much right now. But. You know, we always seem to find a golfer that emerges after, you know, the halfway point that you don't expect to be on the leaderboard. I know it's easy to pick the favorites, but I, I really believe that the way Scheffler and Rahm are playing right now, they're going to be hard to beat. What about you? Yeah, I think Scheffler's due. He's come so close from yeah. second and third and everything. You know, I think he's about ready to break out. But once again, you may have that unknown, you know. That's right. Um, Rory, who knows, you know. What's what's going to happen too now that the they're all together now and then okay they're yep. combining the leagues you wonder what's going to go on out there it's going to be a battle, you know, uh, it would be nice so I don't know Tiger's not playing right, no, nope. no yeah yeah so he's out so anyway that's uh, that's about all I got today and uh, we'll talk to you soon have a have a great Father's Day thank you Thomas okay you bet all right take care good stuff right there from Thomas to lead us off. And uh, we move along to uh, Connor. Hello, Connor. How are you? Doing good, Grant. How are you? Doing good, bud. Thank you. Yeah. Speaking of golf, how about that putt to win the tournament a couple of days ago? That was just oh boy. awesome. 72 feet, huh? 72 feet for a Canadian to win the Canadian Open. That, that was pretty remarkable. The scene out there on, the, on, that, on that green uh, for the playoff hole was, was unbelievable. Yeah, it sure was. And then I know yesterday – there's some big game or like reverse boycott with the A's and stuff. Like, can you explain like what the point of that was and your thoughts on that whole event? Well, I did a rant on it today. Uh, you can listen to my rant on either YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. It was basically a, a reverse boycott, meaning they showed up to boycott the owner and show their disdain for John Fisher. I made the point too little too late. And, you know, the A's were trying to send or the fans were trying to send a message to Major League Baseball. Well, the bottom line is you've been sending the wrong message to Major League Baseball for years and years and years and years and years, even when the A's were good, and that is that you don't show up and support the team. So I just thought it was too little, too late, may have looked good for one night. Yeah, I think it's great that they ripped the owner to shreds. That's fine and dandy, but impact, it's not going to have any impact at all. So that that's really what it was all about. It was a, it was a night out to show their solidarity and to – uh, basically tell Major League Baseball, hey, the fa the team has fans. We just don't want to support the owner. So that was the purpose of it. But, you know, that that that's fine and dandy for this year or last year, but that doesn't apply to when John Fisher first bought the team and the A's were, you know, competitive and winning division titles and going to the playoffs uh, and fans still didn't show up. So uh, to me, it's too little too late. That's a good point. Another thing I wanted to talk about with baseball is, 
we've heard people talk about how, I mean, including yourself and myself, that the new rules with the pitch clock and everything, it speeds up the game and it's good for the sport of baseball. But, I mean, if these rule changes really made you, like, watch more baseball, because it hasn't for me. No, I have not watched any baseball. I've hardly watched any baseball this year. Um, baseball's turned me off. I, I'm, I don't like the way the game is played. I don't like the fact that the ball is not put in play enough. And the number of strikeouts um, has really turned me off. The, the approach to hitting has turned me off to the game. So I watch very little baseball. I, I watch very little of it. And then obviously the big news last night was the Knights got it done. How about nine goals? And we talked about a while back, whoever won that Oilers night series had a good chance and they ended up going all the way. Yeah, and I really think in retrospect that Vegas not sweeping Dallas when they were up 3-0 and losing games four and games five really helped them because they had to play two extra games. And I just thought that they were more in rhythm. Florida had a long time off after sweeping uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. And I thought that they were a little bit out of rhythm, particularly in goal with Brabovsky, who was so good in the first three rounds and there was no drop off in play at all in Vegas. And I, I thought that was a, a real factor in this series. I also think, you know, listen, Vegas was a better team throughout the year. They were the number one seed in the West. Florida was, you know, the eighth seed in the East. They got hot at the right time. So, you know, I think that just when you look at it, Vegas had a better year. They were the better team and they showed that in this series. Yeah, spot on. The big thing I wanted to get to today was I wanted to talk about Nikola Jokic because, I mean, I'll start with just the way that he constructed himself at the end of the finals was just, I mean, it was a really good sight to see with how he went over and kind of consoled all the Heat players and didn't kind of boast too much and everything. It was great to see a superstar like that, that in the big moment was you can look up to him and he acted correctly. Yeah, I did my rant on this yesterday. I said the same thing. I'm like, how refreshing is it that the two best players on the respective teams handled themselves the way they did? I mean, Jimmy Butler never gave any credit to himself. It was always about the team, the team, the team. And same with Nikola Jokic. It's all about the team, team, team. And I just find that very refreshing in this day and age in the me, me culture. It isn't about me with those two guys. It was about the team. And uh, the way that Nikola, you know, the MVP of the finals, uh, conducted himself and his approach to sportsmanship and everything else. There are a lot of other people, not just professionals, but youth athletes that could really learn a lot from, from Nikola Jokic. And him as a player, I've been thinking about this the past two days. I think it's time to start having the discussion of where this guy ranks among the all-time big men in NBA history. Yep. Because he's got yep. two MVPs back-to-back. -back. I think he should have had a third this year. Now he has a championship. So, yeah, I mean, people are talking about top five centers. I'm looking at it and it just, I mean, it's hard when you have guys like Kareem, Shaq, Will, Bill Russell, Akeem Olajuwon, but I mean, does right. he fit right into that group at this point? He, he probably is on the, on the doormat knocking on the door. The, the thing is all those players that you just mentioned are retired. So we can look at their career in its totality. Nikola Jokic hasn't even played half of his career yet in all likelihood. So he's just now entering his prime. Who says that he's not going to win several more MVPs and championships? So I think when it's all said and done, we'll put him in that category. Again, he's on the doormat knocking on it. But again, we, we have to wait because he has a lot of basketball barring a significant injury. He has a lot of basketball left in his career. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the few current players that I think is going to be fun to track over the next decade or so, probably along with guys like Giannis, maybe yeah. Luka Doncic, that when it's all said and done, they could get MVPs, championships, and be among the great players of our generation. Could very well be. And that's the beauty of watching sports, because you just never know. Yeah, 100%. And last question I had was NFL-related. Yeah. This might be a little premature, but just kind of looking at what the Giants did last year and the building blocks and the core they have on both ends of the football. I mean, do you think that they have a Super Bowl caliber roster? No, I do not. 
Um, I think they have a playoff caliber roster, but I don't think it's a Super Bowl caliber uh, playoff roster yet. I think they made a nice jump last year, but I'm not ready to go there just yet. Uh, there are a couple of key elements that I need to see. I, I want to see when does Barkley uh, get to camp? Uh, will he be able to stay injury free? I mean, he was a big part of their success last year. You know, if he were to go down with an injury, that would obviously impact them. I need to see better offensive line play than I saw last year, although it did get better as the season went on, particularly with Evan Neal, the rookie at right tackle, who I thought made great strides during the year. Andrew Thomas has developed into one of the top left tackles in football. I'm a little nervous about the interior, their guards, their center. You know, if that can improve, then, you know, that that's going to help out. But I, I don't think they're there yet. No, I do not. Yeah, I think the key is if Neil and Thibodeau can have the second-year jumps that you got from Aziz and Andrew Thomas, I think, I mean, that's that's going to be great on both left and right sides, on both ends of the ball. To have dominant players like that would be a really good recipe. Yeah, the one thing I would say, I don't think the NFC is that strong. I think Philadelphia is clearly the team to beat in that division. But the NFC South, no one really sticks out to me. You know, the NFC West, I still think San Francisco is the team but we don't know about the quarterback situation. So I got to put the Niners objectively ahead of them. Now we're going to find out on September 21st, week three, Thursday night football, the Giants are in uh, Santa Clara to play the 49ers. So that, that we'll get an idea then. And then there's really nobody in the NFC North. I mean, people think the Lions have arrived. Uh, to me, the Lions are a mirror image of the Giants. You know, they made a big step last year, and but I don't think they're ready to win. The Vikings have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. They just lost their running back. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to say the NFC is loaded with a lot of tremendous teams. The best teams in football are in the AFC, and I, don't, I, I think it's a, a sizable advantage. So on that note, okay, let's just say, for sake of argument, that Jalen Hurts would go down with an injury, okay? Well, then I could see the Giants winning in that division. And then once you win the division, you know, if you you, you, you get an opportunity uh, that's a little bit easier, you're guaranteed that home game instead of playing on the road. So, you know, you never know. I mean, that's that's the beauty of the NFL. An injury here or an injury there can change the whole landscape of a season. Just look at the 49ers in the NFC championship game with the quarterback position. So, you know, again, there's a lot of luck involved in the NFL to being good. Yeah, the NFC is wide open, and obviously a lot can happen between yep. now and when the season starts. Like, with the Saquon Barkley, I saw that he's back in discussions with the team, so that's a good They'll sign get it done. thing to come. He's going to play. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Always good when we're going to hear from Connor. Let's move along, and we say good afternoon to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good, Grant. How are you? Good, buddy. What's happening? Nothing much. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, carried or talked about it yet. How's your New York Yankee announcer that got hit in the head a couple of days ago? Did you see that? You know, hopefully, hopefully it knocked some sense into him. John Sterling, who, uh, you know, <laughs> misses calls in every single game. So can't make him any worse than he's been. He's 80. Isn't he 84 years old? <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to give him credit. He is. He's in his 80s. And so, uh, you know, I can only hope that I'm alive at his age and let alone working. So I'm just, I love John Sterling. I think he's great. He's extremely entertaining. Uh, he's part of the Yankee core. So I'm just giving him a hard time, but uh, he does make a lot of mistakes. I seen his interview on that, that what happened. And uh, he just basically said, I, I just had to keep calling the game. I do, it reminded me a lot of what yep. you've said before about had to keep yep. the game on. Uh, and he got hit right in the eye, right in the eyebrow. He took a good shot. I couldn't believe Yeah, he it. did take a good shot. I watched it on uh, video. It was on YouTube somewhere, and I saw it, and I was like, wow. Yeah, it was quite a shot. Yeah. Hey, my question is today about the, the Kings and Sabonis. How much can weight, can uh, Sabonis put on some weight? Can he do something to put on some muscle, more muscle, to, you know, stand up to some of these guys like uh, Nicola and some, some of these bigger centers? No. No, he's never going to be able to do that. He might be able to put on a little weight, get a little stronger, but he is who he is right now. You know, he's a three-time All-Star, so you know if I'm if I'm him, I'm not changing too much because what he's done is worked. I mean, he's a double-double machine, uh, but his body is his body, and his frame can get a little bit bigger. But you don't want to sacrifice everything else that he does. 
Right. Well, it's, it just seems to me like the Kings are like the baby uh, uh, Nuggets. The way they they with the with the the way uh, Sabonis plays like Jokic, and then they have Murray and Fox are similar in play, and you know is is I think they have similar styles, but, but I'm not ready to put the Kings up there in their league yet. But uh, because it because Sabonis he gets beat out by some of these bigger bigger and better centers. Well, that's why the Kings need to go out and get a four or a five in the offseason, get a backup point guard. You know, you don't know what the Kings roster is going to look like right now. I mean, that's what the draft, and I don't think the Kings are really going to get anybody in the draft that's going to make that big of a difference. But, you know, you never know what they can do in free agency. So let's wait and see, you know, what what they add to the team and whether or not Harrison Barnes is going to be on the team. We don't know that either. So, you know, the Kings could look, you know, a little bit different when the season begins. Right, right. Okay, Grant, you have a good one. Thank you for taking my Thanks, call. Jeff. Good. My pleasure. Good talking to you, buddy. All right, let's move along. And uh, we say hello to Patrick. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Grant? Good, Patrick. Um, I just want to say my lack of interest in baseball, I agree with there, because uh, one of the major companies, uh, I guess I can mention them, T-Mobile, they've been giving away like uh, a free year of uh, MLB TV. And uh, I only watched opening day, and that was it. I haven't even looked at the uh, package. I mean, uh, I've watched very little base. I've probably watched yeah. uh, less baseball this year to this point in time than at any other year in my life. Yeah, I mean, if they gave away NFL League Pass, I'd be watching every game, you know. But but when it comes to baseball, eh, you know, maybe I'll look at it at the end of August or something. But yeah, yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Um. Being as open forum uh, Wednesday, can I share a story with you? Of course. Okay. Um, I may include you in on it on one of my uh, personal messages, but um, I had a brush with Chris Russo over 30 years ago. I just want to share a story with you quick. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, now, I remember on one of your shows uh, yesterday, you said that uh, whenever um, a broadcaster has a style that they, uh, they don't stray much from their personality. Correct. Um, okay. Well, back in 1992, um, you know, Chris and uh, Mike, they had Mike and the Mad Dog, and um, Chris hosted a Saturday show on the fan. So um, one day I'm at work, and um, I figured I'd drop Chris a call. I had a question, and um, I don't remember the question I asked him, but he also had a, um, he had a TV show that he was promoting. He was doing like a TV show for uh, Sports Channel New York at the time. And um, after I asked him the question, um, he was going to cut me off. And I said, before you cut me off, do you have um, do you have two tickets for your show in Manhattan? Because he was taping the show in lower Manhattan. Right. And uh, he says, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll put you on hold and uh, my producer will get you two tickets. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty nice of him. But um, so I went to see him at his show. And um, at the time I told him, you know, I was Pat from Melville. And um, I figured I'd go see the show. And there was only like maybe 30 other people there. You would have loved it because there were all Giant fans there. I mean, they're all talking oh, okay. Giant. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I figured I'd say hello to Chris. And um, I figured he wouldn't remember me, you know. So um, I, I was there with my friend. And I walked up to him and I said, hi, Chris. This is Pat. And all of a sudden he goes, hey, Pat from Melville, how are you doing today? <laughs> And I was like, holy smoke. Yeah. I mean, before I got too worked out saying who I was, he was like calling me Pat from Melville, and he was so friendly. And um, I just yep. wanted to share that with you. I remember you said you grew up with him. And, uh, yep. you know, I couldn't wait to tell you that story because, I that's mean, what, what a that's nice gentleman he was, you know? Yeah, that's Chris in a nutshell. That's Chris. Yep, that's Chris Russo in a heartbeat. I love that. Anything, Thanks, bud. Yeah. Oh, no problem, my friend. Have a good evening. Take care. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you very much. I appreciate your call. That's Chris Russo. No doubt about that. All right. If you want to get in on the program today, open forum Wednesday, just hit your hand icon uh, and we will do this. I hope you had a chance to check out yesterday's podcast called 24 Hours, uh, the championships of the Nuggets and the Golden Knights. And coming up on Friday, my Father's Day show that is on Friday's episode. All right. We get to uh, some more folks and we say hello to Zach. Hey, Zach. How you doing, buddy? Hey, not too bad. Um, so as far as like this whole free agency look for the Kings this offseason, like 
what ideally do you think we need the most? Uh, a big man. I think you need a four or a five. You know, like, I think Keegan I mean, Murray's going to be playing a lot of small forward. So I really think the four, a guy that can play both power forward and center, physical, big, rebounder, I think that's a huge need on this team. So, I mean, like, you know, you hear Nas Reed's name a lot. But, like, yep. I mean, I'm trying to think of him versus Rashawn Holmes. And obviously Rashawn did not work out this season. But what makes uh, Nas Reed a better fit than, like, Rashawn Holmes? I'm just trying to think. Because Rashawn Holmes isn't part of the picture anymore. Uh, he's fallen out of favor with the coaching staff, and he's not part of the future going forward. That's why. Gotcha. And then I heard some some name, uh, someone was saying, like, would you consider trading for John Collins or no? Um, depends what I would have to give up. Um, I don't know what they would want in return. But, you know, as far as Reed from Minnesota, you know, I was just doing a show with Jerry Reynolds and he brought up his name and thinks he would be perfect for Sacramento. But he also thinks Minnesota is going to want to keep him. So it's going to be interesting. You know, free agency, the Kings are going to, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how they solidify this team. I also think they need a veteran backup point guard. So would Nas Reed start alongside Sabonis or we come off the bench? Yeah, I think so. And I think you'd have, in a perfect world, Keegan Murray starting a small forward. Okay, gotcha. And then, um, so like with this Listen App show, I don't think I discovered this until like August of last year or whatever. But I'm just yeah. curious, are you, do you plan on doing anything special for uh, draft night? No, I, I, I'm not. And the reason for that is the Kings don't have a, an attractive pick uh, at 24. And quite frankly, I find the NBA draft to be one of the most boring things in the world after you get through the first four or five picks, unless the team that you're covering has a high pick, which the Kings don't. So I'm not. Um, I just don't think there's enough interest in the draft this year. What do you th- Are you really interested in the draft? I mean, I would love to know your uh, take on that. But no, I'm not going to be doing a draft show. If I be honest, I mean, obviously, it's not like the past years. But I mean, I think I might only watch it because of Victor and just to see, like, you know, the reaction from the crowd and his reaction. Yeah, but then that's over 10 minutes after the draft Yeah, starts, exactly. But then another reason is, like, I mean, obviously, there's no guarantee that they're going to draft him, but uh, Keegan Murray's brother, just to see if he goes to the Kings. The, other than yeah, I don't that, care. Uh, I, yeah, but, you know, that's not worth, for me, yeah. being on a show for a couple hours just to see if that happens. I understand what you're saying, and I appreciate you asking a question, and I'm not trying to be, you know, condescending or anything. I think it's great that you're into the draft and you want to see these things. But from my perspective, having to fill for that amount of time, waiting until draft pick number 24, it's it's – doesn't serve a purpose for me no i totally get it like it's obviously not the same as with the kings uh not in the lottery i mean right. obviously we're happy that they're not in the lottery anymore so I was yeah like if this was, if this was a year ago and the kings had the the fourth overall pick hell yeah i would be doing a show absolutely 100 percent. but it's not like that this year gotcha cool thank you for the information grant thank you buddy appreciate it all right uh, if you want to get in on the program, again, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it. And we are going to say hello to uh, Left Terrace. Hello, Left Terrace. How are you, sir? Hello, Grant. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm listening to a podcast every day. I'm walking around. I didn't have a chance to listen live. And uh, I believe one time last week, you talk about the effect of uh, soccer. I mean, the Messi coming to play in Miami. And that uh, you ex- uh, share your experience of when Pele came over, uh, everything was good. Everyone was interested to see Pele. But when Pele was gone, then uh, the inter soccer just went down. Am I correct? That's what you said? Yeah, I, that's my recollection. When he played in New York, I remember it was on the news all the time. The place was full and that everybody was talking about Pele. And when he left, yeah, the landscape of soccer, particularly in that area, the New York metropolitan area changed significantly. Yes, I do remember that. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm for over 50 years, I'm watching soccer. That's when my life was around. Um, so I grew up like you did. My dad used to take me to soccer games and all that. Um, so I came here in 85, and uh, I, I remember soccer wasn't that, that much of a big deal. 
but uh, like you, uh, you mentioned your friends, they're not watching MLS myself too. I don't really watch MLS. I watch the Premier League, the French and the Germans, right. whoever. Yep. Yep. Um, but um, however, when the good players coming over, like uh, Rooney came from Manchester United, Ibrahimovic came to a plate with Galaxy. I was watching MLS. Um, and after that, you know, they're gone. So I stopped watching. However, I, I'm watching see the stadium Therefore, whatever it is, somebody coming from uh, Premier League or whatever, they're selling the stadiums for, and not only Sacramento, but anywhere in Kansas and any different type of the, uh, you know, side of this country. So that tells me that there's more to the soccer here. And another thing I want to mention is um, the, the, the fact that Apple TV pay big money just to carry all the MLS games. It means yep. that there's audience. Yep. So, yeah, Messi coming, I don't think it's, um, Messi coming, yes, people are going to watch it and everything, but I don't think the interest is going to go down because there's already interest in soccer. Um, well, yeah. it's growing. I, it's gr- You make a good point. It's growing. And, yeah. you know, it, the, the fact is that, you know, San Diego just paid $500 million for an expansion franchise, whereas, you know, five years ago, you know, it was $100 million. So, Yes, the sport is gaining in popularity. Uh, and I would agree with you. You know, the stadiums do very well and they get a lot of attendance, which is good. But if you're going to compare it, well, again, I'm only going by my friends. I don't know of any. I have very few friends that watch the MLS, but they all watch their Premier League. And so, whereas the stadium's being full, this Apple TV is very interesting, but we're going to see, you know, what it translates into in numbers. But the MLS is growing. There's no question about that. And now having Messi in the MLS, that's huge for their popularity. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, so your friend you referred to, do they uh, grow up or grow up here or do they, they grow up somewhere else? Not not friend. Friends, plural. All my friends that I know all your friends. Um, are from different areas of the country and none of them watch the MLS. They all watch the Premier League. Funny. Because that, that's what I do too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because, for example, you know, uh, I know a lot of people watch the European soccer, especially. I don't know um, if you knew that last Saturday was the championship game for the European Cup. Yeah. Uh, and yep. CBS. The first time I see the mainstream channel, the CBS will have a pre-game show for soccer before the actual game, and it was well, that tells you, That tells you a lot. That tells you a lot. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, that's all I have today. Thank you, Blaine. Thank you, buddy. Yep, thank you very much. I mean, again, the sports gaining in popularity in this country, it's undeniable. I mean, undeniable. And getting fans into the stadium is not the issue. You know, it's TV ratings. That's where sports, you know, make their money, right? It's their TV contracts. Got to have it. All right, Lefteris, you want to say something else? Yeah, um, one more thing about soccer and uh, the effect of having the oil money. I heard you that last week too, talking about the hypocrisy behind the golf and how the um, I forgot his name that he was mentioning about the oil money, that dirty right. money, and then yep. all of a sudden he's turned around and uh, he went to the Saudis. Uh, unfortunately, what's happening in soccer, it happened the same thing. The soccer, you know, a lot of the Arab countries bind the, the popular uh, soccer teams. And it's happened the same thing. And, you know, like Manchester City, who wants everything this year, is because they're owned by the Emirates uh, uh, country. And they buy all the best players in the, in the world. And, you know, they, they make the competition be, you know, mute because nobody can compete with them. So, unfortunately, it's affecting not only golf and everything, it's everywhere. So, I have a question for you. Do you see a possibility that maybe uh, a country from Saudi or Qatar come and buy an American team like a baseball or football or anything like this? I, I don't know because they they would have to be approved by the other owners uh, in the league, and that could be from a political perspective, depending on who the individual is, uh, a very challenging thing, based on a lot of the things that are going on in this country as it pertains to uh, Pride Month, uh, the laws over in those countries, you know, the backlash that uh, they may get uh, if they are one of those that abide by 
their beliefs and their laws in the country that they live in, that may not go over very well to own an American franchise. So there's a lot of political aspects of that. Same thing going on right now. You know, this merger that the PGA and the Live Tour is going to end up, you know, in our uh, political system. It already is. So there are a lot of there are a lot of parameters to this lift terrace that I can't answer. But there are some roadblocks that are out there. There's no question about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, my point is I'm thinking big money, you know, make everybody change their positions. They, I mean, like the, like the team from Qatar is trying to buy Manchester United for six billion dollars. It's like yeah. blow my. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Anyway. OK. Thank, thank you. you Grant. Thanks. You know, but again, there's hypocrisy everywhere. We just had the World Cup in Qatar and the whole world went there. Nobody boycotted it. You know, we just had the Olympics in China. The whole world went there. Nobody boycotted it. You can't have your cake and uh, eat it too, right? What do they say? Is that the line? Um, but, you know, you you can't, you can't say that you're against something and then show up and have a two-week event in the country and then just get on the airplane and fly back home and then criticize that country. Uh, it doesn't work like that. You know, you can't have it both ways. Stick up for what you believe in. That's what you believe in. That's fine. That's fine. But, you know, don't don't go to Qatar and participate in the World Cup for two weeks and, you know, understand what their laws are and their beliefs. And then go back home and criticize them. You know, I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. And here's the other part without being political. And I don't know if a lot of Americans understand this. Okay, our belief system is not shared by other countries around the world. Now that may be because of the fact that we're talking about countries with dictatorships and like North Korea, their citizens are brainwashed, all right? And where the media is controlled, okay? That could be part of it. Uh, it could be part of it, the religious, beliefs and backgrounds of different parts of the world. You know what? Not everybody is on board with what we do over here in this country, okay? And I'm blessed that I've traveled the world and I've been to a lot of different countries. And I've always said this, it's the same thing with Brittany Griner, okay? You may feel it's okay to bring a small amount of whatever it is, narcotic into a foreign country but their laws are different than our laws and if you don't want to abide by their laws regardless of what you believe in then don't go to that country now i understand the grinder thing was very political but i'm using that as an example okay you may think well gee you know if you pass into customs and you're caught with an illegal narcotic and you have to spend time in jail, that's wrong. Well, you, you can say it's wrong, but that's the value. That's what that country lives by. That's how they conduct their political system. Okay, you can't be in America and say, well, that's wrong. Well, don't go to that country then. You know, I personally think that our laws in this country are ridiculous. I think they're so freaking lenient and absurd that people can walk in the stores shoplift and walk out and get in their car or whatever and go home. Well, I'm sorry. I wish our laws in this country were like foreign countries where guess what? They don't have shoplifting. You want to know why? That's right. That's correct. Because they lose limbs or they're prosecuted and they spend years and years and years in prison, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, I wish our laws were like that in this country. Okay. I wish our politicians would come down with law and order, which does not exist anymore in the United States of America. Okay. So like I can criticize other countries, but I'm also not afraid to criticize our country because our country should be criticized for many of the things that are going on right now. Okay. And one has to do with law and order. It's a freaking joke. Okay. You think that other countries, allow protest to develop into rioting and looting and law enforcement just stands back and watches it? Hell no. Okay. Again, law and order needs to come back to the United States of America. That's what I want 
in my remaining years, okay, I don't want to see video of shoplifters in California walking in the stores, okay, where now the employees are told, don't do anything, don't try to stop them. Really? What kind of country are we living in? You can just walk in to Louis Vuitton and ransack the store like happened 24 hours before I was there a year ago and Thanksgiving. Really? That that's just fine now? And law enforcement's not going to do anything? Like, when did that become acceptable? When did it become acceptable to walk into Walmart, Walgreens, other stores of that nature, Target, okay? And just walk in and take whatever you want, put it in a bag and walk out. Like, when did that become okay in America? Now it's like, really? So like, you want to criticize other countries, go ahead. But you should criticize the country that you live in too, because it's far from perfect. And I've always said this for people that want to travel. You need to spend some time and look at laws of those countries, okay? And if you want to smoke marijuana legally in the state that you live in, in the United States, and you think that you can do it in another country, and that you can bring it through customs, well, where that's not allowed and it's punishable by jail, if that if you have a problem with that and you're not going to abide by that, then don't go to that country. All right. I mean, there there are a lot of countries that you can go to where you're not crazy about the particular laws. All right. I go to Thailand a lot. Do you know that in Thailand, if you criticize the king publicly and it's heard by somebody in government or law enforcement, you can be arrested and incarcerated. That's right. Okay. If, if you don't like that, then don't go to Thailand. And if you go to Thailand, you need to understand, do not talk about the king publicly. I made a comment sitting around with my buddies years ago. And I made a comment about the king that was not derogatory. It wasn't negative. And I had one buddy go, Mapes, don't talk about the king in public. I'm like, what do you mean? They go, don't do it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I go, I didn't even, they go, we're just giving you a warning. Don't do it. When you go to a movie in Thailand, okay, before the movie starts, after all of the previews and the buy Coke and popcorn and all of that crap, they put a video on of the king and his family. And they ask you to rise. And everyone in the theater stands up. Well, I shouldn't say everyone. That's not true. You don't have to stand up. Matter of fact, the last time I was in Thailand, there were several people that did not stand up. So you're not going to get prosecuted. You're not going to get in trouble if you don't stand up. But it's more of a respect factor. Again, there are different customs and laws around the world that you need to be aware of when you travel. And if you don't like it, don't go to that country. Plain and simple. And if you think you live in the good old United States of America where everything is perfect, there are a lot of people around the world that do not think the United States of America is perfect. All right? Trust me. Okay? Now, there are a lot of people from around the world that are trying to live in America because of the freedoms and everything else. I mean, all you got to do is look at the borders. All right? All you have to do is look at people that uh, try to get visas to come to the United States. Many countries, they cannot get visas to travel to the United States, but people still want to come. So it's still a great country, all right? But if you think that it's perfect, you're delusional. It's far from perfect, all right? All right, let's move to uh, Jerry in Sacramento. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Hey, Grant. How are you, sir? Nice to talk to you. Same to you, buddy. Hey, Grant, let me ask you something. You know, that you're bringing up, uh, you know, you know, customs. So, Grant, when that episode happened with DeMarcus Cousins over in Canada, Grant, when he was being uh, really disrespectful and you pretty much put him in his place, uh, how long did it take for you guys to mend the, uh, the relationship? Did he apologize to you? We never did. Was it- we never did. It was oh, never wow. the same after that. Grant, did you guys have problems bef- uh, before that um i'm you know Grant, well he had a problem he had a problem with some of the comments that i would make on my radio show when he got suspended when he punched out dante green you know when he did stupid things when he cursed out the coach 
And I came down on him on the radio show. Yeah, he had problems with that. Absolutely. And Grant, so he never, uh, never once came up to you and said, "Hey, Grant, you know what? Dude, I'm sorry for being an asshole. This and that. You know." No, like, he did. Uh, no, he did. He okay. did on a couple of times. No, and we were fine. And we, I'd see him, and we would talk and joke around. And um, no, there, there were, there were times when that happened. Absolutely, he did do that. Uh, he a couple of times. Yes, he did. Absolutely. And then there were other times when, um, you know, media day once, and. You know, he had a problem with me and I said, come here, because all the media were around and we went outside uh, where nobody could see us because all the media it was media day right before the season, the first day. And I said, come here. And I took him outside. I go, I don't want anybody to see us talking. I go, listen, I go, here's my job. OK, I want the team to win just like you want the team to win. But when you do stupid things, I have to go on the radio and I have to talk about it. That's my job. And I go, if you have a problem with that, that's your problem. All right. So, you know, we're going to be around each other every day. I have a job to do. You have a job to do. But when you step over the line and you do stupid things, then I'm going to talk about it on the radio. And you're going to have people calling into my show that are talking about it as well. So I said, it's up to you. You know, so I was very frank with him. I was very honest with the guy. I was always honest with him. And Grant, he never tried to intimidate you about don't do this or don't say. Oh, he used to intimidate. He used to try to intimidate everyone in the media. He intimidated every single member of the media. And if they tell you otherwise, they're lying to you. Because I've had many conversations with all members of the media in Sacramento, those that like him and those that don't like him. And even the ones that do like him would tell you that they've watched him intimidate many members of the media. He used to intimidate. He was a bully. He was and a Grant, bully. And Grant, there was this one, uh, uh, there's one video on YouTube when he went up to this, uh, an older gentleman and he got in his face and said, you can talk about me, but don't talk about my brother. I mean, this man, Grant, uh, I mean, had to be in his probably, I don't know, Grant, probably in his seventies. And I was just like, seriously? Again, he, he, he has a lot of good qualities. But he also has a lot of bad qualities. And his bad quality is he's a bully when he doesn't like what someone says or does. And he tries to bully him. And I thought Zach Randolph said it best in the middle of a game when DeMarcus was playing for New Orleans and Zach was playing in Sacramento. And on the foul line, they were going back and forth. And Zach said, where I'm from, bullies get bullied. And I thought that was one of the greatest lines I've ever heard on the basketball floor. Him telling DeMarcus, where I'm from, bullies get bullied. And Grant, how did DeMarcus respond to that? I think he laughed. I, there, there was nothing more, you know, I, I, nothing came. It was on during free throws. And Grant, do you see uh, him playing in the NBA anymore? No. He didn't play last year. Uh, I don't think he'll be playing this year. The reality is the word has been circulated. The, the, there's no coach that wants him on the team. Michael Malone, the situation last year, that should be the final chapter. If Michael Malone doesn't want you back, considering he's the one coach that's always spoken up for you, that should tell you everything you need to know. Do you still think he has anything to offer Grant for any team? No. No, I don't. Okay. Well, all right, sir. Well, Grant, I'm going to miss your show on Freak Lesson Lesson. You know that you'll be doing it every day now. Uh, well, which I mean, you got to do what's well, the best you know what? I'll give you it's interesting you bring that up. Okay? okay, so like doing my shows on YouTube, I'm getting roughly in terms of the live part of it, plus when I put it on my platform, roughly I want to say because I put this show on my platform as well, and I do get hundreds of people that listen to my listen app shows at their leisure. So, I mean, I do have a much bigger audience than it says right now. I only have 19 people listening right. live. Yeah. But when I post this in about 15 minutes and I go back and look at it tomorrow, uh, it will be close to a thousand. Right. But I'm having several thousand listening to my Q&A and my open forums on YouTube. And so right. I, I have to do what's best for me right. and my sponsors. And so, you know, I'm still going to be doing shows on Listen Up. And listen, there are going to be days where I'm traveling, which are coming up beginning this week, where I'm not going to be able to set up a laptop 
and a camera and do my YouTube shows and I'll be doing listen app shows. So I'm still going to be doing listen app shows. It's just not going to be like it was, right. uh, it, you know, on an everyday basis. And Grant, let me ask you this. So when you're doing your Q and a on YouTube, so there's no way that you can make like, maybe just get like a couple phone calls here and there just to, there is a way, there show. is a way I needed a moderator. I need someone to help me. I need someone to do all of that. So there is a way, but it requires another person. Whereas everything I'm doing right now, I'm a one man band. Okay. And Grant, so if you had more sponsors that, uh, you know, on, uh, for your show on Listen App, would you continue doing your show on Listen App? Yeah, if I had sponsors for the show on Listen App, yeah, I would. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. All right. Yep. Well, Grant, thanks for taking my call, Grant. Uh, love your show. Love everything that Thank you do. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate you. You take care. Bye-bye now. Good questions, as always. Uh, bye, Jerry. I do like doing the show. I love being able to talk to people. But, you know, I, I'm also owe it to myself and my sponsors to reach as many people as I can. And I'm reaching many, many, many more people on YouTube and Periscope than I am on ListenApp. I'm just sorry, that's the way it is, you know? All right, I am out of here for the day. Thank you very much. I do enjoy chatting with you, your support and everything else. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.